Hey, welcome. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Check the Mark. It is Miami week, so this is the back end of the Sunshine Double. I actually had recorded yesterday, but after some of the things that happened during the tennis yesterday, I just want to get to that right away. There were two more fairly egregious on-court offenses after a string of notable ones the last couple of weeks. You had the Alexander Zverev incident in Acapulco. You had Nick Kyrgios with the racket in Indian Wells. You know, there was a Jensen Brooksby racket throw yesterday that was at a ball person who was in the back of the court and you know, Jordan Thompson whacking a ball that, you know, you had a ball girl at the net ducking for cover. So, you know, this is a, a fairly easy topic to come down on one side of. I mean, the ATP just needs to do a better job of policing these. Zero tolerance if there's a chance that someone can get hurt. Again, you break your racket, you snap it over your knee, whatever, no harm, no foul, in my opinion. But if you're throwing your racket in the direction of somebody, if you're whacking balls carelessly, these things, there should be zero tolerance. I, I think probably three of these four should be suspensions. You know, maybe the, the Jordan Thompson, you know, ball going out of the stadium, maybe not a suspension, but fairly something serious. There just needs to be more done. Put some teeth behind these penalties from the ATP. I have an interview coming up with Dennis Kudla. I'm going to apologize in advance for the audio. There was a lot going on. We recorded in one of the suites at Hard Rock Stadium. Sebi Korda was playing against uh, Davidic Fukina in the background. And we had a little ambient noise from there. So that's one thing. Uh, the other, obviously, Indian Wells. Great tournament for the American men. Taylor Fritz breaking through. Rafa Nadal taking his first loss of the year. But what a great start to the year from Rafa on a surface that he normally sort of moderates his activity on. But a great start for the year. Um, man, Rafa Nadal, who really, to be honest, is with a, with a Novak Djokovic who hasn't been playing due to COVID restrictions to get into the country. And uh, an injured Roger Federer. You know, Rafa Nadal really carrying the torch for that generation. Pretty cool to see some people break through, particularly, again, these American men. Taylor Fritz, like I said, the whole crew, Tommy Paul, Riley Opelka, you know, Jensen Brooksby, who we mentioned earlier. These guys made great runs that tournament. And, you know, still you have people like John Isner, uh, Jack Sock starting to play better tennis. You know, my guy, Stevie J, still trying to make themselves relevant. So it's a good time to be a fan of American tennis. On the women's side, Iga Swiatek really making big strides this year with my guy, Tomas, coaching her at the helm. And the big news, obviously, three nights ago, what broke kind of in the middle of the night, U.S. time, was the Ash Barty story that she's retiring. Ash, really, I think for a lot of people, for a tennis fan, so someone who's so much fun to watch play, the way she plays with variety, the way she serves, you know, heavy forehand, good slice backhand. And to be honest, a model human being. I got to interview her on court in Adelaide this year. And I asked her, you know, just kind of a throwaway question about did she have any New Year's resolutions? I think this was the first term of the year, it was right after the New Year. And she gave what turned out to be a, an extremely profound answer about working each day to try to be the best version of herself. And it, it really, there were these serious echoes of, of self-awareness and, to be honest, humility and character that just really reverberated and resonated very deeply with me as someone who's around athletes quite a bit. So best of luck to her and whatever she chooses to do. If she makes another run in tennis, we know this is the second time she's stepped away from the game. If she makes another run in another sport, you know, she played, uh, I believe, I don't know, did she play cricket? I, got I think she played cricket. Um, I was going to say Aussie rules, but she played cricket when she stepped away the first time. I know she's an avid golfer. She has great people around her. And again, I wish her best of luck to her and her family.
we have Dennis Kudla right around the corner. The other thing I will say, there should be some news coming out of Miami soon. The ATP and the WTA hold a lot of meetings during this event, as well as you know the, some of the Grand Slam nations, they meet up. There's a few more meetings there than at Indian Wells. So this is when they start making rule changes, maybe announcements, new tournaments, that sort of thing. So stay tuned for that. It can't say enough, man, how good this site is at the Hard Rock Stadium. Shout out to James Blake and also the Dolphins organization, the entire IMG family. There's just so much space here for the players. It's really a first-class event. We're using the entire uh, club or suite level for player dining downstairs at the field level. There's another cafe, and we got all the locker rooms there. It's really fantastic, really a nice change from Crandon Park. Slicker courts here, not quite as much sand in the mix as Indian Wells. We're using the Dunlop ball for the men, extra duty. Dunlop Grand Prix, regular duty for the women. Around the corner, my guy, frequent golf partner, Dennis Kudla. All right, I'm here with my boy, Dennis Kudla. We're upstairs in a suite at Hard Rock Stadium. Dennis, uh, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Dude, nice win last night. That's three three-setters in a row. You came through qualities. You won your first round all in three sets. How's the body feeling? Yeah, uh, body's hurting right now. Um, I got quite the sob story, so <laughs> I'm not going not gonna to bore you that. But, um, you know, playing, I think it's nine days or eight days in a row, it's definitely, definitely tough. Uh, but... At the end of the day, I feel like my confidence is there. Uh, I'm serving well. I'm taking care of, you know, my, my opportunities in these matches, and I'm just finding ways to win. Um, you know, it becomes it becomes pretty addicting when once uh, the streak gets going. But uh, just just happy to get through it right now and uh, finding myself in the second round. Yeah. So the streak you're talking about, you won the Phoenix Challenger. It's probably the toughest challenger of the year. It's the second week of Indian Wells. How'd you play? Tell me about, you know, did something change? You just went there and played and a couple of good things started to happen. How'd that week go? Yeah, um, actually I was going to pull out. Uh, <laughs> I was in Indian Wells, didn't do that great. Uh, lost last round qualities. And then I was in qualifying originally at Phoenix and we were going to pull out, but I had already missed the deadline. So I was going to get fined. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go there anyway. I'm just going to play. Ended up sneaking in the main draw last second. Um, no expectations went there by myself and then all of a sudden um you know put a put a good practice in a good first match it kind of just rolled over it was snuck out a good second round win six and six and then um just just found myself in a final um <laughs> was pretty nervous i've been in a final in a long time i hadn't won a tournament i think in over a year and then uh you know winning that tournament your confidence goes through the roof uh, and, and as players, we're just so sensitive to our confidence, so it, it, it can go down and up, you know, in a heartbeat. So I was excited to get that going. I came here with no expectation, knowing I flew a red eye, um, landing Monday at 10 a.m., playing that day at 5. But I uh, just dug deep, said, you know what, why not? I'm here, and uh, I'm going to swing, dig, and, you know, good things happen. It feels like, you know, having seen that from the outside as a coach, like someone goes on a you know a run, plays a full week at one tournament, goes to the next tournament. You see all these players, they get in the tight situations, and it's almost like they've gotten through so many of those situations before, like they just keep doing it. Is that how you have felt the last couple of days? Yeah, absolutely. I think when you're not confident, it comes to 5-4, 6-5 and the third. Uh, you're like, ah, oh, here we go again. You know, you start feeling bad for yourself, or you just don't <laughs> believe that you're going to win that situation. You start start thinking you know everything's against you uh but when you are confident you just feel like it's, it's gonna work out like everything's been landing in like if i just do the right thing if i stick with my plan i stay present like good things happen happening it's gonna and i'm 
gonna assume that it's gonna continue to happen, and, and it seems it seems to work that way. Uh, but it's just staying on top of it. You know, one of the things I think people don't understand, like at the tour level, like besides the tennis, like the logistics become a major challenge. Flying rental cars, like the last, you know, I saw you before Phoenix. You were figuring out what to do with your rental car. Can I go to the? Can I go to Phoenix from here? To the desert? Do I need to go back to LA? Can, um, can you just talk a little bit about that, and then talk about specifically your your mindset going into Sunday, where you knew you were going to have to do, have the quick turnaround. Did you book flights ahead of time? How did how that all go? Yeah, I mean the logistics of tennis is can be terrible at times. And you handle uh, them yourself, or the agent helps, I, or I do it myself. <laughs> uh, I just think take out the middleman. Just too many things can go wrong. I know a lot of players would disagree with me on that, but I, I like to take control and feel like an adult. So I uh, yeah, the rental car was a pain going. It cost you five hundred, six hundred dollars to go straight to Phoenix. I went back to LA, flew LA to Phoenix, which people thought I was stupid for doing, but I did it. Um, and then looking at spring break in Florida, um, I started actually booking flights every night, Friday, oh, wow. Saturday, Sunday, just, and just so canceling, like, just in case. Yeah, just in case I could grab on these five hundred, six hundred dollar flights, and it ended up costing me I don't know thousand dollars to fly here around there, and then uh, it was it was tough. And then your routes are crazy. I think after the final, I had to fly. My cheapest option was like nine hundred dollars. Uh, like through Chicago, forty-five minute layover, Atlanta, Fort Lauderdale, ten a.m. Um, and it was the earliest I could get in at best price. I mean, I could have gone direct for like sixteen hundred. The next day, I was like, "What am I doing? I'm not doing, <laughs> I'm not doing that." I'm the challenger. Um, and then yeah, and then once you got here, like I'm, I'm lucky enough, my coach lives here, so he was able to pick me up in the airport. That's nice. You know. And, and have to worry about tournament transport but imagine if i had to go tournament transport look for them let's say something went wrong because they don't know your situation yeah. they don't know how hard you've been traveling and um, yeah everything just kind of worked out i actually didn't feel that bad um but you know it is what it is in this sport and i think the, the better inside of me is definitely uh know how to deal with it deal with the situation so the win there obviously getting through three matches this week puts you well inside now the cuts for Roland Garros for Wimbledon for the U.S. Open. How does that feel, like, just knowing you have that little bit of security? Uh, it's, it's huge for me. Uh, I think this sport is so tough when you're not in the slams and you feel that pressure, especially knowing where you feel like you belong there. There's so and much money in the slams. So much money, and with how expensive the sport is, um, it, it's unfortunately it can sometimes make or break, you know, big, big financial decisions that you have to make. So... Um, Knowing that I'm at least in Roland Garros, Wimbledon, yeah, U.S. Open, probably still have to do a, have a good grass court season, but um, you know I, I'll back myself there. Feels good, um, especially with last year I was in qualities of most things and had to qualify and get that pressure, and sometimes you don't, so you can get a little discouraged. But uh, I'm optimistic for the summer. I remember a few years ago we talked a little bit about investing your career, kind of following up on what you were saying. You know. Just, I guess, can you explain what it's like as a young player when you sort of get a lot of help from the USTA, they help supplement your coaching at a point when you really need it, yeah. and then when you get to the point where you feel like you need to invest in yourself, what's that transition like, I guess, as a player? Yeah, it's tough. I remember at 22 or 23, I paid for the coach for the first time, and then just, like, writing a check, I was like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> you know? But it gave you that kind of sense of responsibility and just not being able to waste time and take things for granted. Um, have, I haven't always... I never felt like when I had a free coach, I was taking it for granted. Um, but there, I, I don't know. Just sometimes that little extra pressure and you know, a lot of flame under under you, is, you know, makes you kind of work a little harder, dig dig in tougher situations where you want to quit. 
knowing that, hey, I'm, I'm investing in this and this is part of the process and these are the people I choose to believe in. Uh, but then over time, I think, uh, yeah, investing in your career, like you have a lot of these guys that have super teams, which I'm not all for, but at the same time, you can't do it alone. Uh, mm. I have a coach, I have a psychologist, I have a fitness trainer, um, you know, your family becomes your support system, so it, it becomes really crucial because of how tough, how small the margins are, and how isolated you are, that it, you, you, need, you need a lot of help in order for you to be as clear-minded and to trust in your abilities on court as much as possible. Well, the isolation, especially coming off the last you know, two years, year and a half, like the COVID sort of tournaments that we went through and, and now things kind of normalizing. I know for me, like, you know, my family's out of Indian Wells. I mean, you've had Tyler here this week. Like, how nice is that to have, like, a total, you know, like you close the door to tennis when you go back, right? Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, some people can live tennis 24-7. I'm not that person. Um, I need the reset. I need the regroup, and you know, to have to have my wife here, um, closer to home, it, it allows me to kind of have some regular conversations. Uh, she doesn't really travel with me right now, so also to to have her here, to have her on site, to have that energy, to look at her in tough situations, like it's nice and it keeps you motivated. Well, you've been on the late schedule because you got in late. You've been on the late schedule, so you probably haven't been able to do anything. Normally, like Tyler, you guys like to go out to dinner, like yeah, explore the cities. People. Yeah, we're social people. We like doing things. We don't like sitting around doing nothing. Um, I think it's important to check out cities and, and not waste this opportunity yeah. to see the world. Um, yeah, I've been going to bed midnight, 1 a.m., <laughs> very, very late. Um, but we, we like, like to take some morning walks. That's um, nice. So... Today, you know, I just have, have an early day, uh, go hang out with Rob a little bit, see his kid, see some friends, and, and then, uh, you know, just enjoy some, some regular life. So, last question. You've played at both venues that this tournament's been held at, Key Biscayne and here. Do you have a preference? Do you like one, you know, more than the other? Obviously, this is better for us when we're off the court. Yeah. I think uh, they have the pros and cons. I think visually, I would have, I like Crandon Park more. But I understand the difficulties of trying to upgrade in, in their situation. But here, I think when it came to the amount of courts, is unbelievable. I think the space is unbelievable. And, you know, to be in the middle of the NFL arena, you know, especially as, as Americans and we love football, it's, uh, it, it's a pretty cool, uh, you know, pretty cool scenario. All right, buddy. That was, uh, I th- appreciate your time. Good luck tomorrow, and let's keep it rolling. All right, I appreciate it. A big shout out to Dennis for coming on and the last thing he wanted to do after his previous three, actually previous 10 days was probably hang out at the site, but did me a solid. That's it for Check the Mark. Shoot me a text. Again, my goal is to try to pump out a little more content, be more regular, at least as far as the travel weeks with this pod. At Mark Lucero on Twitter, at Mark Lucero on Instagram. Subscribe, please rate and review. Tell a friend. And that's it. I'm out. Have a good one. Enjoy Miami. Let me know if you have any questions. Hit me up on the socials.